0: Over the last several weeks, we've been looking in 1 Samuel, uh, the last chapters of that wonderful book, discovering some ways that we can all find real strength in God. We're going to continue in 1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning. we will to be focusing on verses 6 through 8 in that chapter. I don't know about you, but I like to read biographies. I'm always interested in the ways that people go from where they were and wind up where they are. You know, I always, I'm always i interested in in where were they, how did they grow up, what kinds of things did they experience, and, and what led them to become someone that somebody thought was worthy of writing a biography about. I, it just fascinates me how, how folks uh, go from where they are to where they will one day be. And I ask myself sometimes when I'm reading those biographies, well, what's the difference? You know, how how did one person arrive at this point in their life, but another person didn't? What what changed? What happened? What what made that occur? Well, in the final chapters of 1 Samuel, we read about two people, Saul and David. We read about the end of Saul's reign over Israel and how David rises to the throne of Israel. And here in 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 30, we find out a crucial difference between these two men. What made the difference? Why did Saul's reign end so terribly and David had come to be a person who was known as one of the greatest kings in all of the history of Israel? What was the difference? Well, the difference between these two men is a difference that all of us need to understand. We need to realize that God makes the difference. There are two essential things for us to know about Saul and David that are revealed here in 1 Samuel chapter 30. First of all, both men had problems. David doesn't get the upper hand on Saul because Saul has a run of bad luck. Things don't just turn south. For Saul and, and get lots better for, for David. As a matter of fact, when we find both men in First Samuel chapter 30, they are both facing very serious situations in their life. In fact, they are facing the exact same serious situation. Saul, on the one hand, was facing yet another attack from the Philistines. David was facing an attack from a group of people known as the Amalekites. Both of them were facing absolute destruction. The Philistines had encamped just across a valley from where Saul and his men were encamped. It was obvious that they were preparing a battle through which they intended to completely destroy Saul and all of his men. But what David faced was even worse. David and his men had been off fighting a battle. They had left their families back in a city called Ziklag. And when they came back to this city, they discovered that the Amalekites, in their absence, had attacked their home city, had burned it to the ground, had taken all of their possessions, and worst of all, they had taken captive All of their family, their wives, their children, everybody that they knew had been taken captive by this army of the Amalekites. It was a horrible sight. It's described here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Just imagine if you come home from work tomorrow and you find your house burned to the ground. And as you begin to try to figure out what's happened, you discover to your horror that your family has been kidnapped. It was devastating for David and all of his men. So in this passage, both David and Saul are facing horrific events in their life. And by the way, neither man faces it perfectly. Neither one of them was perfect. Saul made a series of poor choices in his life. David would make some poor choices too. But one man winds up being remembered as one of the greatest Kings of Israel, while the other man winds up being remembered as a failure. What's the difference? When I read through some of the biographies that I read, I look for some common threads. I try to find, you know, what is it that makes successful people successful? But the reality is I don't find very many. The people that I I read about, they come from all kinds of different backgrounds. Some of them come from backgrounds that were very, very meager. They didn't have anything. Some of them come from very privileged backgrounds. They seem to have everything. Some of them are involved in whatever the the thing in which they are successful. They've been involved in that nearly their whole life. Their family has been involved in that particular industry, that particular activity, whatever it might be. and, And they just kind of naturally grow into it. Some of them, they don't grow up in anything even near what they wind up being successful doing. About the only thing that consistently runs the same through each of those situations is that they all were successful. Somebody thought they were worth writing a biography about. Saul was not a bad king because he faced difficulties in his reign. David faced difficulties too. Or if you want to put it in another way... Our circumstances in life do not determine the success that we have. Saul and David faced very similar circumstances, but they have wildly different outcomes. We'll see that in just a moment. But but first of all, we need to understand our circumstances do not determine our success in life. We may come from very difficult circumstances. We may come from a family that never took us to church. We may come from a family that never read us the Bible. We may come from a family where we never heard God's name except except as a curse word. Or we may come from a family that from the time we were born, we were in the church doors. We grew up in the church nursery and the church children's programs. And, and every meal, our family would sit down and pray and someone would bring out a Bible and Read a passage of Scripture, we were always encouraged in the Lord, or we may come from somewhere in between those two extremes. But what we need to understand is that those circumstances of our life do not determine whether or not we are successful in life. One thing, we we need to define what success really is. Saul defined success as being the most powerful man in Israel. That's why he was so jealous of David. And when they began to sing songs in the streets about David's strength as a, a warrior, Saul became very jealous because he thought, well, well, that means that, that somebody's more powerful than I am. I can get rid of him. David defined success differently. And that's the secret that we need to all understand. David understood what real success is. And Saul didn't. And that's the key. When our definition of success is wrong, it's going to destroy everything else. And that could not be more clear in Saul's life. Now, as we've been reading through these chapters over the last few weeks... We've seen that Saul's reaction to the situations that he faces in life, it just makes him worse. He spent time and energy and resources trying to capture and kill David just because he was jealous of David's popularity. David threatened Saul's definition of success. So Saul decided, I got to get rid of him. That was a bad decision. And then Saul went from bad to worse. When his power was threatened by the Philistines, instead of going to God in prayer, he searches out a so-called witch to contact Samuel and bring him back from the dead. We read about that last week. Now, why in the world would Saul make such a, a ridiculous decision going against even his own law? Well, because his definition of success was threatened. Because he had defined success incorrectly, everything that he tried to do to succeed was pointed at the wrong goal. And that meant that instead of making things better, Saul just made things worse. David, on the other hand, had a very different definition of success. He becomes known in the Bible as what is called a man after God's own heart. And that comes right out of his definition of what it would mean to be successful. For David, success was knowing God's will and doing it. Plain and simple. So as he and his men come home, they find their city devastated by the Amalekite army. They find all of their families have been taken hostage. What does David do? Well, the Bible tells us that he immediately goes to God. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David, as he, he faces this, this horrible circumstance, as he, he recognized that his family has been kidnapped, the families of all of his soldiers have been kidnapped, and they're blaming all of this on him. They're saying, you took us out there to that battle. You took us away from our home when we needed to be here protecting our family. You had us out there fighting your battle. They were furious with them. And what does David do? He turns to God. He finds strength in the Lord. And then he gathers a trusted believer, one of the priests that he knew was a a man of God, and he went to him and said, we've got to find out what the Lord wants us to do in this situation. We've got to find wisdom from the Lord. Pray with me. They pray together and, and God gives them the answer. God says, you go out there and fight the Amalekites because I've already won the battle. <laughs> David defined success not as being successful on the field of battle, not as being a powerful man, not as being rich and wealthy. David defined success as knowing God's will and doing it. When he faced this calamity in his life, his question to the Lord was, what do you want me to do, God? And when he knew God's will, he was ready to do it. We can define success the same way. Now, we can choose to define success the way the world defines it. We can define success as having a lot of money. We can define success as having a lot of power. We can define success as having the right job. We can define success as driving the right car. We, you know, There's all kinds of ways that the world defines success. And, and we can define success that way. But what that means is we're going to do the same thing that Saul does. If, if those things are our definition of success in life, then it means that everything we do in life is going to be pointed at the wrong goal. And instead of making things better, we're just going to make them worse. Or... We can choose like David did. We can choose to make our definition of success to be knowing God's will and doing it. Now, does that mean you're going to grow up to be king? Well, no. Not unless that's what God's will is for your life. But we can be successful. We can know God's will and we can do it. Abraham Lincoln was once asked if he believed that God was on the side of the union. And here's how he replied. He said, I'm not concerned about that. For I know that the Lord is always on the side of the right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. (laughs) David understood that sentiment. David understood that our circumstances do not determine our success. As bad as things look, standing there in the ruins of his hometown, knowing that his family had been taken hostage, he knew that even those dire circumstances did not determine his success. David knew that real success is knowing God's will and doing it. And so that's what he did. Instead of following what would normally be our human impulse to just run after those Amalekites and go take care of them, no, he, David immediately sought the Lord and said, God, what do you want? Do you, do you want me to pursue them or, or do you not? What, what, what do you want, Lord? I want to do what you desire. I want to know your will and I want to do it. We can do the same thing. And the great news is we have some tools that David did not have. For one thing, there in the Old Testament, David only had half the story. We got both halves. We know the end of the story. We've got the Old and the New Testament. We have the Scripture. Folks, if you want to know God's will, it's all right here. You don't have to look any farther than the Scripture. It's right there for us. We can... Read God's Word and know God's will. But here's the thing, it's not enough just to know God's will. Now, I hope this morning you're here to learn about the Scripture. I hope that you were able to go to, to Bible study a little bit earlier and sit down with a class and, and really dig into God's Word. And I hope you're wanting to do that right now, to, to gather together here and worship and to dig into God's Word, to learn a little more about the Scripture. But it's not enough just to know God's will. We have to do God's will. I would encourage you today that whatever you learned in in Bible study this morning, as you walk out the door today, think about, okay, we learned some really interesting things in, in, in Sunday school this morning. Now, how's that going to make my life different? What am I going to do differently today than what I've been doing? Or if I've been doing what I know I need to do, how am I going to strengthen that based upon what I just learned from God's Word? Because we need to know God's will. We need to dig into the Bible. We need to read the Scripture. We need to study God's Word together. But then we need to go and do it. God's Word should have an impact on our life. It ought to change who we are. It ought to lead us To do God's will. You have something that David didn't have. You have the entirety of the Scripture. So use it. You can know God's will and you can apply the Bible to your life. But second, we have something else that David did not have. We have the presence of God's Holy Spirit within us. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts how the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. The Bible describes you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as the temple of God's Spirit. Wow. David, in his reign, there was one thing he didn't get to accomplish. He wanted to build a temple. He wanted a place where God's presence could be, and God didn't allow him to build a temple. He says, no, that's for your son to do. David wasn't able to accomplish even that task, We today, because Jesus Christ has died on the cross, he's rose again, he's paid the price for us in full. We are now made right with God and God's Holy Spirit has come into us. We are the temple of God. And that means wherever you go, God is there with you. Whatever circumstances you face, God is there with you. Whatever decisions that you make this week, God will be there with you to make those decisions. So make it a goal in your life to be successful. Now, now I hope you, you just have a great business. I hope you live in a nice home. I hope you have some, some blessings from the Lord. and wonderful. nothing wrong with any of those things. And I hope you have those things if that's what the Lord wants for your life. But that's not what I mean by go and be successful. Today, I encourage you to be truly successful, to know God's will, and do it. Heavenly Father, in your word, in this passage, we have two very crystal clear examples of folks who are trying to achieve success in life. Saul tried to achieve success. What he defined as success by trying to get rid of David, by trying to fight his enemies, even by violating his own law to consult a witch. And it was all because of his definition of success. So, Lord, help us to define success correctly. Not as the things that we have or the accomplishments we might make. But Lord, help us define success by knowing Your will and by doing it. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God is doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and you really want to be successful. In the right way. Now you may come from a really nice job. You may not have a job at all today. But, but that's not what's concerning your heart this morning. You may be tremendously successful in whatever your career path may be. Or you may be struggling. But, but that's not what's on your heart today. Because you've realized, hey, that's not what success is all about. All those things, they're nice and they're wonderful, but there's got to be something else. And you came here this morning because you were desperately searching to be successful. And you realized that maybe the definition you've been using for success was a little bit off. Well, this morning we want to share with you how you can be a success Because here's the great news. Jesus has already done everything. He's already taken care of it. He died on the cross to pay the price in full for every one of your sins. Everything that you're ashamed of. Everything that you're guilty about. Everything that you're carrying on your back. Every burden that you have. Jesus died on the cross to pay for it all. And He wants you to know that victory. He offers it to you as a free gift. But all you need to do is receive it in faith. And we want to talk to you about what all that means. Ordinarily, during an invitation time, we'd invite you to come forward. we sit down with you, show you in the Scripture what it means to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We can't do that right now, today, physically, but we can still... Help you with that decision. Uh, Those of you that are here in the pew racks before you, there's a, a little commitment card that's there. Just take that out. Give us your contact information. And down at the bottom, you'll see a little box where it says, I want to follow Jesus. Just check that box. Drop it in one of the baskets as you exit this morning. We will get in touch with you to share with you what God's Word says. How you can be forgiven. How you can be transformed in the power of His marvelous grace. If simply by faith you'll trust Jesus Christ today. We want to share that with you this morning. If you're watching us online, we have an electronic version of that very same card. You can find it at nationalheights.org backslash hello. Or that link is right there if you're watching it by video. It's in the Facebook uh, comment section or on our web page. It's right there below where the video is showing. Just click on that link. It'll take you right to that very same commitment card. Just give us your contact information and check the box. I want to follow Jesus. We'll be in touch with you to help you make that most important decision of your life. Maybe there's some other way that God is leading in your heart this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home and we would be glad to share with you. How you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. He's doing some exciting thing through the people of this church. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Maybe there's some other way that God's talking to you. Maybe you have a prayer need in your life, something you would like your fellow believers to be praying with you about. Uh, there's a place on both of those cards where you can indicate your, your prayer need and we'll be praying with you. Whatever it is, whatever way God is leading in your life today, you listen. Responding to His call today as we sing together.